And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. All right, we're back. Welcome to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer. Two days into training camp, it already feels like five. I am uh, joined by my longtime colleague, good friend, Bob Kravitz. First question, Bob. How many Colts training camps is this for you now? Like 20, 23? Where are you at? Uh, let's see. I got here in 2000. So what would be uh, 22, 23? I just think it's about damn time you got me on this podcast. That's all, that's all I want to say. There you go. Everybody's saying that now. KB was saying, finally, I got on. I don't know. Me and Holder really didn't branch out very much. You really didn't. I mean, you guys did a good job, but it would have been better with me. I mean, our guests this spring were Laheem Hines and Frank Reich, and last year we had Ballard. So, I mean, come on. Those guys take precedent over you, right? Since when? I've been here longer. (laughs) Give me three of your favorite Colts training camp memories, whether it's an interaction with a player or whatever it is. Oh, boy. Um, Well, one time uh, at training camp, uh, I I wanted to do a story with Peyton on his autograph because I saw – Somebody showed me his autograph and his penmanship was impeccable. And we sat on a golf cart for no less than 45 minutes talking about autographs. And Peyton talked about how his father uh, told him how important it was to be to make your autograph legible so that years from now, a young person would know who it was. And so that was a lot of fun. you know, I wouldn't put the Andrew Luck drama under the uh, heading of fun, but it was not at all absurd. It was just uh, weird, crazy theater. And hey, but you had a good you had a good part in the Luck podcast series. I mean, right? You, I did. You stole I did the show in episode two. Well, I was I was kind of the unquestioned star of that show. I <laughs> the whole thing go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm hard pressed to think of a third one, but. You know, I, I think about all the players who were great training camp stars. Yeah. And who never did a damn thing uh, in the National Football League. You know, you remember last year with Mike Strawn, how good he looked. And he never played. I mean, I realize he's got a long way to go as far as his development goes. But uh, I just remember so many players being all Anderson or all mm-hmm. Terre Haute or whatever. And one, one, another thing that I always liked was uh, the stories about Peyton Manning's uh, pranks at uh, training camp. Oh, God, Where yes. He would he would go and he took um, uh, Jeffrey Gorman uh, works in the organization. And Peyton one day took his uh, his car and put it on some flotation devices and put it out in the middle of a of, of a lake uh, out in Terre Haute. And. That was pretty typical for Peyton. He and and they they nobody ever went back at him. They're afraid of him. 
Uh, I've heard those have started to creep out in the last couple of years. As, as time has passed, Dallas Clark has shared some. Jeff Saturday has shared some. Gosh, Kelly Holcomb, who backed up Peyton for a couple of years, has shared some. Um, th- th- that's a good point about the all Anderson, all Terre Haute team. Because I've learned that lesson doing this eight, nine years now. Like the Duran Carters of the world, who couldn't do a damn thing when the season started. And that is my vow this season. I am not going to overhype any rookie or undrafted guy or any young guy in training camp. I'm not going to do it. It doesn't matter until the games start. Nick Cross had a nice interception today, the rookie safety. That's all I'm going to say. He had the interception. You can watch it. Pro Bowl, right? It, it's 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 a lock. So um, It's a lock. Well, I'll tell you another guy who I, I am not going to get totally excited about. You're going to think I'm crazy, but it's it's Matt Ryan. You know, I mean, look, I think Matt Ryan is going to be an upgrade on Carson Wentz. But, you know, look, he hasn't done much of anything, granted, with a, a bad team. But he hasn't done much of anything in the last five years. And, you know, does he bring things to the table that Carson Wentz did not and does not? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not going to get all crazy about Matt Ryan until I see him with the lights shining bright. We know what he can, do, what he could do, back uh, when he was at the top of his game. But you know, he's he's what 37, 30, 37. Yeah, 37. That's when quarterbacks who aren't named Tom Brady tend to start declining. So uh, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm gonna go so, you know easy on that. Uh, I'm not going to get all excited about Matt Ryan uh, going seven of eight. Um, so uh, I'm told it's July, man. He's lighting it up. You're not ready to put him in the Pro Bowl. Exactly. I'm not ready to put him in the Pro Bowl. I, I'm not even sure he's a top ten quarterback or top twelve. He may just be middle of the road, which may be enough for this team. Who the hell knows? That's a good segue. I'm glad you brought this up because I I wanted to hit on this because we're not even asking these questions a lot of times. And Steven and I talked about this this spring and summer. Like people would reach out to me to talk about how much they love Matt Ryan. And I th- I'm buying the leadership stuff from everything I've heard. I'm, I'm really buying it. I mean, let me just read you these quotes. Like these guys don't just say this. Like he certainly didn't say it last year, right? So this is Frank Reich. There's an it factor. There's a presence. It's hard to put into words. Jonathan Taylor, we want to be at our best for him. He demands excellence, and having that presence and energy is something that rubs off on you. This is a guy that led the league in rushing by 400 yards last year. Naheem Hines, I can't even describe it. You just get chills listening to him speak. When he starts talking, you're like, we're going to lead, this guy's going to lead us to a championship or an AFC South title. So the gushing has commenced, and it's, I, you know, I pulled, I, I talked to Chris Ballard for a, just a second yesterday after the, after the presser, and, and we kind of bounced around on a couple topics, but I said, when did you know? Like, when did you know that Matt Ryan was like a real dude? And he was like, it took me an hour. Like, I just knew he was real. So from all that, I think he's fitting the bill. Would you agree on that? But the football, the football, we're going to have to see, I think. Yeah, we will. I mean, look, as a human being, as a leader uh, of men, I don't think there's much question. That said, I would be really curious, and maybe this would be a good column, I'm curious to go back and see all the gushing about Carson Wentz a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot. They had a lot of good things to say about Carson. But I will say this. It was different. It was a little different. It was. He has a great arm. It was. He's a great athlete. And I went back and looked. And 
I bought into the Carson Wentz experiment, and I liked the trade at the time. And you can go back and read what I wrote because I I, I really bought into Frank Reich. I really did. And, and, and to get 27 and 7 out of Carson is probably some of Frank Reich's best work if you look at it. We'll see what happens this year in Washington for Carson. But that's totally fair. And by the end of the season, it wasn't Frank Reich. Like by the end of the season, the most obvious quote that Frank Reich gave us, the most glaring quote he gave us wasn't anything he said. It was how he called plays at the end of the year around Carson. They knew they had a quarterback they had to coach around. That was very obvious, I thought. We'll see. But you got to like this quote from Matt Ryan today. You know, he was asked, how do you how do you make sure these young receivers stay on point over the course of a long training camp? He says, you keep a foot up their ass. Like, that, that that's what they needed. Like, they needed an alpha. And it's not a coincidence when a guy like Reggie Wayne, who you spent a lot of time with over the years, comes in and says, this guy reminds me of Peyton Manning. So I think in that bill, he fits it. I don't think we have the answer to the football question yet, but I did watch practice today. Now, a caveat, it's it's July and it's there's no pads and, and quarterbacks are supposed to look good. He was seven of eight. He had, he had Alec Pierce over the middle for a nice 20, 25 yard gain. But the thing that I want to hit on, and I want to get your take on this, Bob, is there's a decisiveness with the way he plays. He gets the ball out fast and he knows where he's going with it. Even Carson last year, when he was on the field in camp, which he wasn't most of camp because of the foot injury, that wasn't the case. The ball would be hung on to for a long time. He would be indecisive. Plays would break down. He would be sacked. And in training camp, the, the you know the defender just kind of grabs onto the quarterback. But even today, I could tell like the ball's coming out fast and it's coming out accurate. That's a difference. And I think that's something we're going to see a lot more of as we move forward into real football. And look, uh, he's going to have to be special because I am scared to death about this wide receiving. I I disagree. I don't think Ryan has to be special. I think Jonathan Taylor and Pittman have to be special. And I think I think Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and those guys. I don't think Ryan needs to be a top six or seven quarterback. Well, I'm just saying that with the wide receiver room the way it is, okay, and even the tight end room, who, who's who's going to be the guy beside, besides Pittman? I, I, you know, I mean, you're counting. This is a fair take, and I've had this concern the whole way. The yeah, I mean, whole you're, way. You're counting on a rookie to be your, your number two guy. Now, I like Pierce. I like him. I do. He looks good. He moves well. Yeah, but. But, yeah, I hear you. Pittman is rookie year. He was just a guy. I mean, and, and, then, and then you're also hoping against hope that Paris Campbell can stay healthy. And even if he does, what can he produce? I mean, oh, I think he can play. I think Paris can play. I I know the caveat. I know it. But if he's in there as the three, as the slot guy, and Pierce is on the outside, I'm 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 okay with that. The question is, are you setting yourself up for failure? Are you setting yourself up for a really bad position? And and that is looking for wide receivers in September, October, December, and maybe T. Y. Hilton's not out there anymore. You know, so. We've been down that road before, and if the Colts are in that situation again, they there's no one to blame, no one to blame but themselves. Absolutely. I, look, I remember, uh, you know, and, and Chris Ballard, as we both know, is 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 painfully honest. Um, I remember I, it was a couple of years ago when he talked about how he didn't bolster the offensive line, and they ended up playing some some guy uh, at left tackle uh, or right. Oh gosh, yeah. 
Yeah, remember it was just brutal. Yeah. Season, he's like, "Well, that was stupid. Why didn't why didn't I?" I was kicking myself for that. Yeah, kicking myself. I don't remember the player he was referencing off the top of my head, but I think this is going to be one of those situations where at the end of the season, you, you know, if they fall short of expectations, and I think they're going to win eleven games and win the AFC South, they fall short of expectations. I think it's on Chris Ballard for not um, bolstering that wide receiver and tight end room. I do, so they were never in on on Julio Jones. I reported that in the spring. I reported what Chris Ballard said on Monday. But even going back, he just wasn't in the picture. My question to you is: There's a guy in town who knows the offense, who's extremely well respected, who can still play, and who's available. I'm a little surprised that T. Y. Hilton isn't here right now. Now, I, I, I get, I guess, in some sense, like the Colts are just saying, like, we like these guys. We want to see them develop. We want to see what we got from Patman and from Strawn, although Strawn's hurt for another month. Strawn's hurt, yeah. I just, like, why isn't T.Y. there? Like, I just feel like that's a hole they need to fill in a lot of different capacities. I had a conversation with T.Y. and said, look, you don't have to be here for all a camp. You've been, you've been in the league 100 years. It's not necessary. For maybe that has, maybe that's conversation has been, been made. Maybe that conversation's ha- been had. Look, I'll take T.Y. Hilton as my number four or my number five. But to think that he could be your number two or even number three, I think, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think he's pretty close to washed. I really do. I mean, look at the numbers. He hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. Uh, he hasn't produced. Uh, I don't see him getting separation the way he used to. What's going to be really important um, is you remember back in the Peyton days where he could take guys like Crafonzo Thorpe. <laughs> the name I always go to is uh, Devin Aroma Shadu. Aroma Shadu, yeah. that name. And turn them into studs. And that's what, that's what Matt Ryan is going to have to do. He's going to have to be one of those quarterbacks who is so good that he, he's able to take an otherwise ordinary wide receiving group and make them really good. See, I don't agree with that. I don't think he has to do that for a couple of reasons. You know, who's the name that gets that keeps getting brought up this week? It's it's Philip Rivers. They feel like this guy is the nut and they're not the same player. Philip was so good at anticipating. It was really fun to watch that. I don't think Matt Ryan has to be special because one, he's got I, – I really I really believe in Frank Reich as a play caller. Frank gets guys open. Matt Ryan's really good where? He's really good in the middle of the field. And that's what Frank is going to scheme guys up to get open in that middle area. Now, I do have questions about the tight ends, but that's another discussion. I think that Frank's going to get guys open, and Matt's not going to have to make special throws consistently. I think in the same way that Carson made football harder than it needed to be, Matt Ryan and Frank together will make football easier. And there's two studs on this offense. There's really three, but two are bona fide studs that can do so much more than they did their rookie year when Phillip Rivers was here. That's Jonathan Taylor, who's an absolute animal. I mean, like, just like we haven't even talked about him enough this offseason. Like, he was out on the field today tearing it up, and I was like, oh my God, like, he, he hasn't missed a step. Like, he looks exactly as good as he did last year. I know they're not hitting and stuff, but just ripping through holes like it was nothing. And then, secondly, is Pittman, right? And Pittman just plays with this anger that makes him a pain in the ass to cover for these corners. So there's so many plays last year that happened because of Pittman, not necessarily because of Wentz. 
And I think with those two guys, and the other guy would be Naheem Hines, who I think is going to get a lot more touches this year, maybe 170, maybe 170 between the catches and the runs. Um, I think those guys can lift up the offense, and Matt Ryan just needs to do his job a little bit like Rivers in 2020. I don't think he needs to be special. I don't think he needs to throw 40 touchdowns. If they have the line back to where it was, now it's really bad. It was really bad the last time we saw that line. So let's not just assume they're going to be elite once again. But I don't think Ryan has to be special. I think he has to be efficient. And I think they can get back to where they were with Rivers, and that was a top 10 offense. Do you see them using Naheem split out, like you know, using him in the slot or, or, or whatever? Yes. You, uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking too. And I've, I've wondered the last couple of years why they didn't do that more frequently because they haven't had that slot receiver who could, I mean, I yeah. see him, His name I is see Paris him Campbell. making a lot of plays over the middle. He's just a problem. Like Naheem is just a problem for defenses because he's so hard to account for. He's so speedy. And this was an interesting quote I thought from Naheem yesterday. And Naheem is, is such a gregarious interview. He's such a friendly guy. So um, he says this about a lot of his teammates, but he said, when I have a new quarterback, which he's had five now, which is ridiculous, he says, usually they throw it a little bit behind me because I'm so fast in the open field. He said, Matt Ryan threw it right on the money. Now, it's July. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But the the accuracy with Ryan in the middle field has really stood out to me. And I think it's going to stand out to the fans that come out to Westfield in the next couple of weeks and watch. And then as we get into the regular season, like it's different. Like he's very accurate. He's not a wow athlete. And I don't think his arm is 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 a wow arm. Like Wentz had a freaking cannon and we knew that. But I do think Ryan's timing and accuracy are are what separates him and it's what's been so good for so long. I think that's going to matter a lot. And and sometimes it comes down to one or two seconds or whether the ball's in the right spot on one of those middle of the field throws and I think that matters a lot. And and like we say all the time, like Frank Reich's offense is a timing-based offense. And they didn't have the timing down last year for a variety of reasons. And I think Matt Ryan's going to be a lot better at that this time. Yeah, I look, I, I'm, I'm bullish on Ryan. I think he's going to be good enough for this team to, like I say, win 11 games and win the AFC South. I think Tennessee having lost A.J. Brown, letting A.J. Brown go, um, Derrick Henry is, I don't know his age exactly, but he's reaching that point where these guys running back start to uh, decline a little bit, uh, you know, and, and look, I think Ryan Tannehill's done what they needed him to do. Uh, he, he, fa- he failed miserably in the playoffs last year, but I still think he's a solid quarterback, but I, I really, I really feel 11 wins is going to get you there. And I think the Colts are, are, I think they got the right stuff to do it. I'm also very concerned about the left tackle situation. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be curious what your take on it is. It seems to me they're going to let pri- it's priors to lose. And then you see what uh, Raymond, uh, Ryman, excuse yeah. me, uh, see what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, it's priors to lose at this point. Now, that's not to say he's got the job. And, and to be honest, like we're not going to really get a good sense of that until the Lions come into town in a couple of weeks and, and you see some preseason games. Like, unless unless Pryor's just not the guy. Like last year, we had some some bad days with Sam Tevy, and it was just like, he can't play. Like we knew that. I don't think we're going to see that from Pryor. But when they start to do one-on-ones, and he's got Ngakwe, and he's got Dio, and he's got Quidipe. I mean, he's got some formidable rushers to go against in one-on-ones. And when they start to do 11-on-11 full pads, we'll get a sense of it, whether he can play. 
But usually you don't get a good sense of that position at full speed until until week one. Like the preseason games are, I mean, it's not it's not real football, as everybody knows. So that's going to be Pryor's job to lose. And I think he's the guy come September 10th in Houston. But, you know, we, we should mention a couple guys who had nice days today. Isaiah Rogers makes plays a lot. He had a nice break. He, 34 is just getting his hands in there. And, and that's a good thing. Now, Brandon Faison was the starting corner opposite Stefan Gilmore today, but it's early. And, and I think Rogers is a guy to watch. I wanted to shout him out. Nick Cross made a great interception. I'm sure you've seen it. The Colts tweeted it out. I mean, that's the second play of seven on seven today. So he made a great play. Wasn't a bad throw necessarily, but, um, he made a nice play. Alec Pierce moves well, man. I just, I just like that kid. I think he's just settled in really well, really quickly. I'd be surprised if he wasn't the wide receiver too by the end of camp. I that's maybe that's a bold take, but I just feel like he's going to slide into that spot. Well, as opposed to who? I mean, that's the thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> as opposed to who? I mean, they kind of need him to. Yeah, he he needs to be the number two guy without question, or else this this offense is not going to produce the way we think it should. I, I I'd be curious your take on this. I really feel like this team is going to go as far as its defense takes it. Interesting. Yeah, I think this team is going to be more of a defensive team. They're going to win because of defense more than they're going to win because of offense. Your thoughts? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Are you buying this Gus Bradley scheme and are you buying the moves they made? Because I think the Ngakwe move is the most underrated 
move they've made in the offseason. I mean, it's just six straight seasons of eight sacks or more, something like that. They, if they, if they could just write down ten or twelve sacks from him, it's a huge win. That's a they just that's what they needed last year. But I'm not a big scheme guy, you know. I mean, I, I you know, I've been doing this silly job for for forty years, and everybody's got the scheme. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not under under selling the importance of scheme and coaching, but. Look, it's about players. And, yeah, and it is. And Gakwe has always been, uh, you know, a guy who's able to get to the quarterback. So I, I think him, I think Stefan Gilmore, I mean, he's defensive player of the year, what, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not the same guy, but it, it's certainly an upgrade, uh, you know, on Rocky Sin in my, in my view. But I just think this defense has a chance to be really dominant, uh, assuming that Leonard – uh, gets healthy, um, you know, uh, you know, they're able to fill some of the gaps um, uh, in the secondary. Uh, we'll see what, what happens at safety uh, aside from Blackman. But I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to be going to be defined by its defense. Interesting take. I like it because in a lot of ways, that was so crucial early last season. Like I think about Baltimore and I think about Tennessee and, and yeah, Wentz had his issues and, God, the kicking game in Baltimore and all that. But, like, they needed one play on defense in a couple of those games, and they couldn't get it. And a lot of that comes to pass rush. I mean, right? Like, and if, you know, we we watched him today, and, like, Ngakwe practices really hard. Like, he was going after these bag drills in a way that stood out to me. And I've been watching these for 10 years, and you've been watching them for 30. But, like, when guys bring it in practice all out, you can tell. Like, some guys just stand out in practice. And it's just one day, but Ngakwe seems to be a guy that just stands out, just brings a certain level of energy. And I think, you know, if Pay and Dio can follow that, like Dio's a guy, like this is a big year. Like he, he was such a, like they were all about this guy when they drafted him. And it was a redshirt year because of the Achilles and that's fine. But like, he's a monster. If you look at him, like he's, he's a, he's an athletic freak, like if they can get some play out of him and Quiddy Pay, who can now see out of both eyes, which is important, I, that's that's everything for me. I don't have a lot of question marks about the linebacker spot as long as Leonard is there. He's that good. He makes up for so many mistakes. The Gilmore signing gives me a little bit of peace of mind in the back end, and I don't want to forget about how ridiculous it is that Julian Blackman is back at full speed at the start of training camp. He is a he is an unbelievable healer. The fact that he had his Achilles shredded on, I think it was like Halloween. Like he, and he's a good player too. Like he's a good player and he is back and he looks fast and he just gives them the juice back there. Um, But the question for me is, can they get to the quarterback? Can they finish at the quarterback? That's going to be everything. That's going to be Ngakwe and Pei and Buck and Grover and Dio. And if they can't do that, they're probably going to lose those games. So many games in the NFL come down to three points or four points. And a lot of times it's, it's touchdowns in the red zone and it's sacks, you know, it's, it's stopping the quarterbacks. They haven't done that. I think, you, I think you look at Gus Bradley's Godway. defense. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you look at Gus Bradley's uh, defense and much like Eberflus, even though they're different types of defenses, the whole thing is predicated on getting pressure with your front four. You know, uh, they're not big blitzing guys. Am I wrong? No. And, and here's the thing you go back to scheme 
so much of the schemes are shared, right? Like teams, they all copy each other, both on offense and defense. So we don't need to get in the nitty gritty of that. But I do want to point out the fact that there were staples of the Matt Eberflus scheme. Some of them were exasperating, right? Like they would let these receivers have free releases. They would give all kinds of quarterbacks career days and completion. Yes. Gardner right? Minshew comes there to mind. Go. I think he had one incompletion that day. But on the alternative, there were things that the Eberflus defense did that were really good. That stopped the run. They were really good against the run consistently. And if you go back to the previous regime under Chuck Pagano, those days against the Patriots, man, like Jonas Gray going for 5 billion yards. Like, they don't have that very often. Like, the only 100-yard rushers they allow, it's it's Derrick Henry, and there's no shame in that. So those staples are important, and whether they can carry those over, that's a question that I have. Like, for all the things that Matt Eberflus's defense were exasperating about, there were things that were very consistent. and. They took the ball away and they hustled and they stopped the run and those things win in this league. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, look, I if you can't if you can't get pressure with your front four, you're, you're lost with with this with this defense and with with Eberflus's defense. And I I mean, look, I I'm a big Grover Stewart fan. I think Taekwon coming back from his injury, I think that's a big deal. Um, obviously, Buck is Buck. Um, and you know, I, I think Quiddy pay you, you look at defensive ends, it takes them a year or two yeah. really find their, their footing. And I think Quiddy pay, especially now that he can see out of both eyes <laughs> uh, is, is poised for a real, um, maybe not a breakout season, but to take that next step. I want to say he had four sacks in his last five or six or seven starts last year. So, Started to come on. You saw Yeah, it. and he had an injury he was dealing with um, as well. So, okay, last thing, and I'll let you go, but this is sort of a big picture thing, and you're a good man to answer it because you know the owner as closely as probably anybody in this media market, but it was an interesting offseason for Jim Irsay. It was probably one of the most challenging years he's had, and he's had some challenging years at this at this position, but – from knowing Ursay for all these years and from knowing what happened, right? Like they walk off the field in Jacksonville. He knows it's over. Like this guy's not coming back at quarterback. Ursay was going to make that move no matter what. And they got Matt Ryan and they got these pieces and, and he's extended Reich and Ballard. But at the same time, they've won one playoff game. They've won one playoff game in the last five years or whatever it is. They've, they haven't won week one and God knows how long they haven't won the division since 14. Where is Jim Irsay right now with his franchise? And what do you think about the expectations for this season? I think the way I think Jim looks at this and says, look, they won. They won uh, nine games with Carson. Um, I think anything less than 11 wins in AFC South title, for the, which would be the first one in the uh, in, in this era um, and a playoff run. Those are the minute. Those are the minimal expectations. I think um, anything short of that. Uh, look, do I think that Reich or Ballard would be in trouble? No, but do I think the clock starts ticking this year? Yeah, absolutely. The clock starts ticking this year because look, the, you know it's it, it's hard. You lose a generational quarterback. You look at all the other uh, organizations that lost you know, generational quarterbacks, Elway, uh, they didn't really 
replaced him until Peyton showed up. Yeah, you were there in Denver for a couple. I years. was in Denver. I, I was there for uh, Bobby Brister. God help us, Brian Greasy. Um, you know, you look at the Miami Dolphins; they've never really yeah. replaced Dan Marino. Um, so I, I think the Colts have done a really good job and, and got a little bit lucky uh, in getting Matt Ryan. But I, I think you look at this team with all the pro bowlers and all the investments they've made in Ngakwe and Gilmore and people like that. I think he has really high expectations. And again, I think 11 wins in a playoff run uh, have got to be the, the most minimal of expectations. I'm with you. I think he's tired of coming up short. I think he's really tired of sitting at home in January. People don't, people don't realize Jim is a, a really good football guy. I mean, you look at the owners around the league and this is just another piece of their business. Right. This is it for Jim or I think it kills him. I think it does too. And the, the fact that he reacted the way he reacted, you could say he was too emotional, but quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, they made out like bandits. His heart's in the right place, you know. Yeah, he knew. I, he's been around long enough. He knew that Carson Wentz was not the right guy. We'll see how this plays out, but I have a feeling that down the line, Jim Irsay is going to look very smart in this decision. We'll see what happens in Washington. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen here, but that's going to be fascinating to see because you know you you see this Jim Merce in in the media and with the interviews and he's laughing and he's making his jokes and he's going on and on about rock and roll or whatever but like i kind of got a glimpse of the other side of Jim Merce this season this off season like the fire the anger like his voice was different his his furor was obvious like his i mean and it, it like you bring up Jacksonville around that man and he gets livid like to this day like he is just not over that and I think that's I think that's what Ballard and Reich felt that night when they were in that office. And eventually Reich told his boss, I'm sorry for pushing for the Carson Wentz trade. Um, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's not just a playoff spot. That's not good enough. I think it's a home playoff game, which would be the first one since that Bengals game years ago where Luck avoided the sack from Carlos Dunlap and threw that beauty of a touchdown. Like that's how long that was. That's a long time ago. It's an AFC South title. No reason not to win it with with the Titans possibly taking a step back, but I don't want to underestimate Vrabel. I think he's really good. He's really good. I think you got to get a home playoff game. I think you got to win it. And and there's no reason to stop there if everything's going right. But we'll see. It's it's easy to say that in July, but there's there's the the, the patience is going to run out eventually. The the Andrew Luck card is out. Like it's done. There's no more there's no more get out of jail free card because the quarterback retired 4 years ago. Like it's time to produce, and you're with a quarterback who's 37, and you know who knows who the next generational quarterback is this team gets. But um, Darius Leonard's in his prime. Quentin Nelson's in his prime. Jonathan Taylor's in his prime very soon. It's time to produce, and I think Jim Mersey is going to be keeping a very, very close tab on how this team is doing and what it says about the future. They, they need to win. They need to be playing deep into January. Tick, 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 tick. That's the, the clock be ticking. But I think they could. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'll let you go. But I, I think I think the ingredients are there. And there's no way to know. And that's why this time of year is so fun. Because every team, in, in some way, thinks this season could go well to varying degrees. And, and the Colts could absolutely be in it with some of these really, really good AFC quarterbacks in, in the playoffs. But we'll get a good sense right out of the gate. You know, they have Houston and Jacksonville. And then it's like, boom, they've got 
some really tough games. So it'll be a fun September and October. The big thing is getting off to a good start. And I know everybody says that you got to you gotta win the first one. And I understand. What would Jim Merce, what amount of money would Jim Mercedes give to win the first game this year? Oh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Five of the first seven are against divisional opponents. Yeah. Yeah. Including two against Tennessee. Yeah, they they've got to they've got to stake their claim and they've got to do it early. They this is the one thing, well, among the many things that Jim Mercer told us in Florida at the owners meetings was how he called his coaches and his scouts into a meeting after the Tennessee game last year before the second Tennessee game and just ripped into them. Like he is so pissed off that they keep losing to Tennessee. And I can guarantee you the left-handed interception and the interception later from Carson Wentz in that second game did not help. So that is, if Jim Mersey has any game circled on his calendar this year, it's the two against Tennessee. He expects those to be victories. And, and that's how they win the division, really, because Jacksonville's probably not going to be in it. Houston's definitely not going to be in it. Um, but I can be, you better believe that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, they need to add that to their resume this year. They need to add AFC South champions. But it should be fun. We'll see. I think that's they're cool. looking forward to it. Yeah, they're, they're going to be a fun team. But um, thanks for joining, Bob. Sorry it took so long to get you on 1% Better, but uh, we're rolling through. And um, thanks for the training camp memories, and we'll see if we'll see if you become a believer in Matt Ryan one of these days. Uh, we'll work on you. 